about some fun stuff, some difficult stuff, and some stuff that comes up especially in the cities, in all your urban areas. But before we get into all that, let me introduce my co-host for the day, the one and only Javier Garcia of the Federal Savings Bank. How you been, man? It's been a long time. Been doing good. Been doing really good. Gotta say, uh, it's been one hell of a summer market and things like that and kind of starting getting adjusted to a little bit more of uh, condominiums and people looking to purchase condos. So thought it'd be a great idea to kind of bring in a guy who specializes in nothing but, you know, condos in the city with, uh, you know, Mike Gopic with Remax Next and Joseph Abatacola, who's actually with our condo department at the Federal Savings Bank as well. Joseph. Yes. Thank Mike's you been on me. the show, so we're going to start with you for a second. Mike's <laughs> been on the show several times. I think three times, right, Mike? Is it three? Twice? Second, Twice. Man. Is this your... This is your second? second? Yeah. I thought this was his third time. I'm all over the place. All right. He's all That's over the place. Well, he's been yeah. on a show. This is his second time. <laughs> second so we're going to start with you. Joseph, I think a lot of people don't understand your job, so what we want to do is jump into your um, – the show kind of goes around your line of work specifically and the stuff you have to deal with on the financing side. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, uh, the whole nine yards, and what you do on a daily basis in the, in the counter department. Sure. So uh, I've been with the Federal Savings Bank for about three years now. Uh, I work in the condo department. We make sure that the condo projects are uh, meeting guidelines, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, for conventional side. We do FHA approvals and VA approvals as well. Uh, that's about it. We, we do co-ops as well. Uh, we don't do a lot of co-ops here in Chicago. That's more of a New York thing, so we should probably focus on condos here. So okay. you say, for those that are watching, because we have, obviously, most of our, our our viewership and people that watch the show are potential clients and people that are green, they're trying to learn. I mean, guys like Mike and myself and Javier and yourself, we know what we're talking about. When you say condo approval, <laughs> what do you mean? Are you like the guy with the rubber stamp going, I don't like this condominium, denied, we're not going to finance it. Yeah, he is. Tell us what, what it really is, condo approval. Like, why would you deny a condo? Why would you approve a condo? What do those things entail? Sure. So uh, some of the main things I'm looking for uh, on the conventional side, um, we, we get the condo docs, questionnaire, budget, and master insurance. The questionnaire will be filled out from the HOA or the property manager. And it just asks uh, basic questions. Uh, how many owner-occupied units are there? How many rental units are there? Uh, we take a look at the budget. Uh, a big, big item on the budget is how much uh, they're contributing to the reserves. Uh, we need to see 10% being contributed to the reserves of the uh, income assessments. Now, are you guys typically walking away when you don't see the time? Because we, we just had a, a big, our last show that I, that I did, uh, we discussed how the reserve might have been a little low and they weren't really keeping maintenance on the property. And our client that was here is just a member of the association. He wasn't, um, I shouldn't say he was part of the board, but he was just the homeowner. And <clears throat> 10%, you get somebody under 10%, a, res, a reserve that's uh, like 8 or 7, big rubber stamp, no, rejected, denied. So there's a few ways to get around that. Uh, there's two types of reviews that we'll do. One's a full review, one's a limited review. Mm. During a limited review, we don't have to look at the budget. And to be able to do a limited review, if it's a primary residence and you're putting at least 10% down in an established building, we can do a limited review. So the 10% reserve contribution doesn't matter. Uh, second home's 25% down. And then if it's an investment property, we always have to look at the budget. So there's really nothing we can do with, if they're not contributing 10% on an investment unit. Why are you That's always looking if it's an investment property, at, no matter what the down payment is? Yeah, every investment property, we have to do a full review for Fannie and Freddie guidelines. Why do you think that is? You're a finance guy. Yeah. I think with an investment property, anytime that you're looking at it, it's just a little bit of a higher risk. It's usually a lot of people are sometimes a little bit more willing to walk away from a, from an asset like that, but I would probably say it would be the investor concentration you have in the in the building. Pretty what insane stuff. What I say is we're actually being rather rude. <clears throat> we're supposed to have a moment of silence right now for somebody that passed away. The Hefner. The Hefner. <laughs> Everybody, bow down. Okay. Sad story, actually man. went to my high school, actually. <laughs> Hefner grew up right here in Chicago, so yeah. for us not to acknowledge him. the northwest side uh, you know, of Chicago. And, and you're going to joke, but when you think about Hefner real quick, just to kind of change gears for a second, um, we're a radio show. Right. Guys like Hefner helped move freedom of speech like in nobody else's business, if you think about it. I mean, he was boycotted, and he had a lot of grief for putting out his publication back in the 50s. And, you know, he spent plenty of time in court doing the freedom of speech and the whole nine yards. So um, he was more than just, obviously, the obvious, you know— Every man's man, if you will, who 
You know, someone cracked the <laughs> joke. You're like, does, does Hefner really go to heaven, or is he going to be kind of like upset when he gets there? Because <laughs> I like, look at the way he lived. It's like, oh wow, heaven on earth. Yeah, yeah heaven on earth the whole time. So, um, but yeah, just the thought to throw that in there because he's a local Chicago, and we don't want to forget that. And I'm Absolutely. sure he had a condo around here too. So, Joe, <laughs> let me ask you a question. I get a lot of realtors who sometimes their biggest fear is whether or not the condo is unwarrantable. Like, what are some key facts in regards to condo projects that will make them unwarrantable? Sure. So some of the main issues we see is uh, single entity ownership. Uh, You cannot own more than 10% of the project. So if there's an investor that owns more than 10%, it would make it non-warrantable. Okay. Uh, Commercial space, there can't be more than 25% of the project uh, dedicated to commercial space. Um, if If you're buying an investment property, the investment occupancy cannot be more than 50% as well. So there can't be more than 50% being rented. Okay. Uh, those are the, the biggest ones. Uh, delinquencies as well. Uh, 15% of the units cannot be more than 60 days delinquent on their HOA dues. How many of that? 15%. 15%. One five. Okay. It's mm-hmm. not bad. Now, in regards to the mixed use, um, you said 25% of the actual building. So are you guys counting unit by unit in regards to commercial units versus residential units? Or are we looking at square footage as being a part of that as well, too? Good question. Yeah, it's square footage of the entire project. Square footage of the entire Common areas, everything included. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lord. There's <laughs> a lot of movement going on in my ear here. There's just way too much movement. With that being said, let's, I think we need to get a little bit deeper into our other guest. Mike, mm-hmm. you've been on the show a few times. Um, mm-hmm. I know the last time you were on, you had just recently, or you were about to, uh, open up your office at REMAX Next over in the West Loop. Yep. Hopefully that's going well for you. It is. Yeah, we got a few agents on board. We got a couple more that we just uh, have recruited who are going to be joining us in the next month and uh, month and two. So, yeah, things are going well. I think we're doing we're doing things the right way. You know, we're really based on focus just on agents. You know, we don't we got the big name Remax behind us, so we don't have to worry about the advertising piece there. It kind of speaks for itself, and mm-hmm. we could just focus on how do we really take care of agents the most we can as possible. I mean, that's our main focus. That's our goal is how to give them, um, you know, the how do they make the most amount of money? How do they market themselves the best, best commission splits? Whatever they need is what we're there for. So, yeah, I think we're doing things right. I think we're starting to make a name for ourselves. But, you know, it's a grassroots campaign. We're starting from scratch, and that's the cool part of it. We get to grow from, uh, from nothing into something that's going to be amazing. Now, speaking of growing, like you're that. growing more than just at work. Well, my you, wife is. Your wife, your wife, yeah. your wife I'm is not gonna, growing your wife's going to considerably yeah. grow with what she's yeah. got going on. Yeah. Tell us the great news. Yeah, so we are going to be having twins in January. Really? Uh, I know, Ooh-wee. man. Just knocking anyway. it all out at once, man. Just done. Not doing this two, uh, you know, one after the other type thing. So uh, I'm an overachiever, and I overachieved <laughs> on this one. So high five to myself. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a way different life in January, that's for sure. Um, twin life. Now there's there's a rumor I got from somebody that's like kind of go- went through all your profile stuff that you tweet out at times husband pregnancy lessons. I do elaborate on that real quick. Yeah, uh, talk about the biggest learning curves ever. Right. You know, like so every time I, I every time I learn something, I'm just you know I'm here to help people. So I want to help all those future fathers out there or current fathers uh, or people that are you know just got a uh, well let's say future pro- fathers that uh, there's a lot of things you got to learn along the way, and mm-hmm. I'm here to help. So. The last one was we were traveling uh, downstate for a, or down to Louisiana for Louisville for a wedding. We stopped at about eight or nine o'clock at night. She's hungry. We're at Arby's. I went to grab one fry, and I <laughs> swear she almost fry. bit my hand off. Like you do not touch a pregnant woman's food off no. her plate never. ever. Never do no. that ever. So no. that's uh, that's my fifth lesson. So every time I learn something, I'm posting it because I mean, we got to learn. Is that a pregnant thing? Because my fiance don't want me to touch her fry. Period, and she's not pregnant. Uh, are you sure she's not? Yeah. I, mean, well, well, I want to well, ask that question. Oh, jeez. That'd be interesting. <laughs> but hey. <laughs> so, so I told you before the show we went on, I had some advice to you. Uh, I come from, I have twin sisters. And my advice is if you, if and hopefully you guys have another child after that, um, try and keep that balance because those twins are going to soak up mm-hmm. all the attention. <laughs> Everywhere they go, they're going to talk about the open twins, the open twins. I mean, it's just like they're like the stars of the household. So <clears throat> you will become secondary, obviously, because I remember like it all revolved around them. Aren't, I, would I be third awesome. then? It's pretty, pretty much all about the that. wife and then it's the <laughs> You're kids, both going to be right? secondary. Yeah, we're, Trust we're me, they useless. walk in the room and everyone's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the parents are like <laughs> nothing. The, the, if there's a third or a fourth child, they're absolutely nothing. No, it's all okay. about the babies. I'm, I'm okay with that as long as they're willing to take care of them while I'll have you know, a beer in the background. <laughs> and I'm cool with that. <laughs> awesome stuff. Take awesome advantage stuff. of it. Definitely. 
Let's hit back a little bit to, to the topic of the day. Condo questionnaires is what we're discussing. The lines are obviously open if you have questions or if you've had problems with your condo uh, or if you have concerns. Or maybe you're trying to buy a condo right now and you're not able to get financed because you're hearing there's issues with the association, uh, which a lot of consumers don't quite understand. They think they take it to heart like it's their fault they're not getting approved. It's not your fault. Oftentimes, it's actually the building you're trying to buy's fault or the association that is actually running it. So if you have questions, feel free to pick up the phone lines. You can obviously call into us. The phone number here at Market Overdrive is area code 312-521. What is that? 8589. Again, that's 312-521-8589. And, of course, you can follow this show live on a regular basis uh, every Thursday at 2 p.m. on Market o- Facebook, Market Overdrive, forward slash Market Overdrive. Of course, go to our YouTube j- channel. We are on podcast with the WGN Network, WGN Radio, and last but not least, you all can always go to our website as well. So with that being said, give me some more things that you've run across recently over the last couple months. I mean, it's I've, I've personally in the financing world have bumped into specifically the, you know, 8% thing that just recently happened to me. And, you know, there's ways around it um, with the reserves. But there's uh, other things that I think people aren't aware of that are going to come up. With, right. with which <clears throat> happens with condos, it doesn't happen with single family homes. I would probably say one thing that I kind of learned. I've had a couple projects where they were like four unit projects or five unit projects where they thought that they were like the whole unwarrantable type of situation. Uh, but I actually went over to Joe a couple of times and he was telling me he's like, well, technically, he's like, I know that the one percent ownership entity. He's like, but being that your transaction would be going on sale and be going under contract, he's like technically that would actually constitute that specific condo as warrantable because that one transaction is going to remove it from that 10% investor concentration. So one thing that I've always learned is get that condo questionnaire, get that you know ironed up, get your decks and bylaws, get your budget and everything, and just get it over to your condo department to do a review. Um, I would say sometimes even do that prior to even going under contract just to make sure exactly what you're going to deal with. Because I get sometimes you'll get a buyer who thinks they're going to do 10% down on a specific condo, and it turns out that they're going to have to do a 20% down project, because 20% down loan, because it's non-warrantable. So it just really depends. Mike, oh my God! Start, could this be any oh more boring? God, my God. Like, seriously, how does it even pertain? What's the oh difference? You guys are talking about sports. He I feel like there's a loud squirrel in my ear now. <laughs> like, how is this like even she relevant? Uh, dude, she's small. She can fit between <laughs> cracks and things like she that. Just got in. I Hi, feel like it's Carlamina. a funeral in here. Like yeah, all well, these guys that you, know, you guys are talking about. I'm sick for one. I You're sick. Put I that mean, out there. I like. Feel We're talking about today. FBG financing today and a condo. Pro- what are we even talking about? Aside well, I actually from found Hugh out from Joe today away. that people don't want to get their condos FHA approved because they think that it's a less quality Joe buyer who? that's going into. Joe, how about to call? Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, hi, Joe. Guy next to you. <laughs> there she is. There she is. <laughs> <laughs> always forgetting the guest name. Oh, I was like, Joe, Joe, guy sitting next to you. She, she's yeah, there. can we start this show all over again? Hey, Mike. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good Lord. First of all, your family's expanding, not his yes. wife. Jeez, where is yeah. his wife? I'm, I'm going to speak for the women in the room. We have somebody else also, another girl in the room, because you guys, I love how men talk What's about girl's pregnancy. Name? What's that girl's name? Don't worry about it. Exactly. What's that girl's name? Exactly. Raquel, how are you doing? <laughs> you messed up. <laughs> like four or five I times. know Raquel, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so. Why is this relevant, though? I think this is a, the key that you guys have to differentiate. Is that a word? Like separate Differentiate? The yes. There's two things going on, right? We're talking about getting build, uh, projects or buildings that are um, trying to get the association approved, right? Because there's two different things. You have a non-warrantable building, and then you have an FHA buyer. So how, like, I know you talked about the requirements to get a building to be FHA approved, because a lot of buyers, and we talk about this all the time, who are buying under 300 per se, are going to be using those loan products. And sometimes they get really bummed when there's not enough reserves, operating budget, there's not 10% in a non-operating budget, right, for reserves. Um, And then there's a majority rentals in the building. And so you guys see it as high risk and therefore the property doesn't qualify for financing, correct, FHA? But now you're talking about a whole other subject with it being non-warrantable. Right. So can we go from a non-warrantable to getting it to making sure that it becomes conforming so that people can go ahead and buy condos? Because, Mike, you do a lot of sales in condo buildings. Mm-hmm. It's really terrible when, you know, we, are, we can only tap into like 15% of the inventory, correct? Yeah, when the FHA condos are the few and far between. They're almost like uh, that unicorn because, yep. Yep. I mean, what, I mean, really, I don't even know if it's 15%, but there's only a handful that I even know 
that are FHA approved. I mean, that's a tough thing. So you get someone who doesn't have a huge down payment, and they just that's typically where people are doing the FHA loans. It's this lower down payment, three and a half percent. Credit scores too. Yeah, credit scores. A lot of associations that just let the approval expire as well. Yeah, too. a lot of them. I, don't, I mean, there's a HUD website you can go to and check, mm-hmm. but even that, I don't know how it's even as up to date as it should be. So, so I'm feeling a little bright and savvy today. I'm going to encourage somebody to come up Why with a company because I'm always smart and savvy. <laughs> anyway, somebody can start a company and say getting all these buildings to be approved, right? That's why Joseph's here. That's why Joseph's here. He's, you and he's I trying to get his fame launch. Let me go ahead and start like a business plan here. How to get buildings approved because our buyers are looking for inventory and we're looking for affordable housing. And FHA is supposed to be a product that's a lo- that oh. allows us for affordability. We'll back it up a little bit. Go ahead. Back it up. The you can still get a building FHA approved. It's just not like it used to be. Back in the day when we would have an FHA client, they'd want to go buy a condo, and if the building wasn't approved, we could do a spot approval. Right. I mean, we're going back. Can just you do back, that now? Like Joseph, you look pretty years. young, so I don't know if you were doing it in 2004 or something no like that. No spot approvals but, now. Right. I'm no like, spot <laughs> approvals anymore. You have to go through a full approval full process. Review. How long does it take for you to get a building approved FHA? Uh, great question. So it really depends on how fast you can get all the documents back from the HOA. But once we have everything that we need to submit, it usually takes about a week or two to get a response back from HUD. And what's the things that HUD would frown on and just say, no, it's denied? Let's say you have the reserves, uh, the budget looks normal, everything just looks normal, but there's something, is there anything in particular that makes it so hard for some of these high-rises to not get FHA approved? So one of the biggest uh, documents that they're going to look at are the decks and bylaws. <clears throat> if there's any type of leasing restriction in the decks and bylaws, they'll deny the building. Wait, they, what leasing restrictions? You <clears throat> want it to be uh, to have leasing restrictions, right? Because you don't want majority rentals. No, they actually no, they want it to be want able to be rented. Restrictions. They yeah. want oh, you to right. be able they to don't leave. Want it. They exactly. want it to be rented. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, right. A first refusal as well. They want you to be able to sell your unit free and clear, no approval from the board. Uh, same with leasing. They don't want you to have to submit the lease to the board and have them approve it. They just want you to be able to, to lease your unit as you know, right when you want to do it. Uh, now, so based off a lot of the reviews that you're doing, what percentage would you say of you know warrantable condos meet some of these requirements to be actually become FHA approved? I mean, most of the warrantable pro- or projects would be FHA VA eligible. Um, the conventional side doesn't really care about the leasing as much, so mm-hmm. that's going to be something FHA and VA care more about. Okay. Um, so that would be that's one of the biggest differences. Um, VA doesn't care about the budget. Uh, they don't have an occupancy requirement. You just have to have 70% of the building sold already for VA, mm-hmm. whereas FHA <clears> wants <throat> 50% owner-occupied. Um, they'll go up to where a single entity can own up to 50%, whereas conventional guidelines will only allow 10%. Really? So that's a way <clears throat> of getting around that 10% <clears throat> single entity ownership where uh, you can submit it to FHA and try to get it FHA approved. Okay. I have a question like for the future daddy in the room, Mike. Yes. So at what point do you start getting uh, looking into the association when you're st- setting up appointments for your prop- for the properties that you're going to be showing your buyers? Or what do you advise buyers out there before they start their search? Yeah, well, obviously you start with a good agent, of course. Um, but anytime I'm setting up appointments, I'm always looking through all the information. Uh, on the MLS, us agents have you know that spot where we can look at the agent remarks. And see if anyone is actually a good agent. They're always putting information on there. You know, where are the reserves? Where are the owner occupancy? Any special assessments coming up? Any lawsuits or litigation against the association? Like any of the big ticket items, all the good agents are typically putting that stuff in there. So that's the first place I look. Unfortunately, it's not a guideline. We have to do that, and most agents don't. So a lot of times, it's you know getting to know the buildings just from doing this for a long time. So I know which ones to avoid. Uh, but also, you know, sometimes you just have to go see a property. And then if it is something they like, do the due diligence on the back end, where then I'll reach out to the agent or the association and say, you know, guys, can you give me this information before we make an offer? Because I don't want to waste my client's time or my time doing this right. if we're going to get two weeks in to see the budget and see the assessments or uh, that there's, you know, tons of special assessments. So. Oh. oh, that's that noise. That's that famous sound. So annoying. It's time for the nitro question. <laughs> Brought to you by, let's make the nitro question brought to you by Federal Savings Bank today and Javier Garcia. Today. There we go. There you go. There you go. We got two Federal <laughs> Savings Banks. The nitro here. question is going to go to Mike Open today. I should totally be just hitting him about his biggest fears as a parent because it's coming up. You're, you, you're not a parent yet, so right? Cute. Nope. Okay. January. But we're going to try and keep it back to business for a little bit. Um, tell us the 
You don't have to answer right now. You got. We'll give you about fifteen minutes during the course of the show. You can kind of mull it over here. But right. um, instead of going all you, rainbows and unicorns, we don't want you to tell tell us about your ideal client. Tell us, in your opinion, what is the ultimate nightmare client? What do you not want someone oh, to geez. do to you? You don't have to give us names of who it was, and if you have a story, you could tell a story. <laughs> okay. okay. You don't have to give out a name unless you really want to, because you're cool like that, <laughs> and we would totally appreciate it. We Social totally media is everywhere, stories. man. But, but like so. you give us a scenario you. now. Now, if somebody decides to comment in there, going, "That's not what happened," Mike, we'll know who it was. Right. But uh, go ahead and just get that warmed up. Oh, you're. Your nightmare story or your your nightmare client, either gotcha. or, um, and we'll come back to the nitro okay. question brought to you by the Federal Savings Bank and Javier Garcia in a little bit. Um, moving forward, though, you have, I mean, with association specifically, how many times have you had a client call you and say, hey, I'm really interested in buying a two-bedroom condo in one of these three or four buildings, and and, and I know you got to show them everything they want to see or at least cater to it, but how many times have you literally... Made heavy awareness of a bad association. Every single time. Every single time. Every time. I'll tell them if there's certain buildings I know that are just not good to buy into, I'm just going to tell them. It's a waste of time. Because, I mean, nobody buys real estate to lose money, right? Right. You don't want to buy a depreciating asset. So why even waste your time looking in a building that is just going to constantly be either hit with specials or, you know, the owner occupancy is so low that, you know, financing Mm. is just difficult for people. I mean, you're totally limiting a buyer pool in a building. Right. Someone's going to buy in there, and they're never going to see the appreciation the whole area is getting, and they're going to be like, well, why is my building going up? It's like, right. well, I told you. Yeah. It's hard to get a loan in here. You know, Back in 2009, there were some amazing deals at a property on LaSalle, and I'm not going to give the address, but I think people might figure it out quickly. And it's uh, it's a beautiful-looking building, modern, the whole nine yards, and there was some like fire sales on condos. Really? Oh, so cheap. And or I think it was nine or 2010. And I was itching to pull the trigger on two of these investments. And all I kept hearing about was how brutal association. So obviously, I checked the temperature. I went back about four years later. Still nothing happened. Like the value didn't even really go up that much, considering there was a crash, prices depressed. It was just not. You know, I'm so, and I'm really glad. I, I, and the only reason I didn't buy there is because every time I mentioned it to every other agent, you, know, you check your temperature with a bunch of people. You right. know, I ask this guy, "What do you think of this property? What do you think of this?" And they're all kind of like. Uh-uh. You know, and that's yeah. bad. If you think about it, being in a building where every main or I should say affluent or experienced agent in the neighborhood wants to avoid it. Yeah, that's that. What's that do for you as a seller one day? Right. I think the difference with that, though, is that during that time, a lot of buildings were being built before then were supposed to be condo buildings. The crash happened. And then, I mean, I think we all know kind of one of the developers that put up a lot of them. It might be, I think I know which building you're talking about. Oh, yeah. But they ended up becoming rental buildings because they just couldn't sell them out. So now you end up with this really low owner occupancy. But the rest of the building is great. You know, still good reserves, no special. It's newer buildings. So there's no issues. But you're looking at, like, you know, 30% owners because right. it just hasn't flipped over yet. You know, and that's a lot of those buildings were up, and I know which ones you're talking about, where that's the whole point is that nobody could buy in or nobody wanted to buy into them because the owner occupancy was terrible. You can't. You can't get financing. Yeah, it's or you difficult. can, but it's brutal because you go yeah, non horrible and an instead of getting 4%, you're at like 7 in some yep. of those cases or yeah. 8. I don't know what your rates are, but I found them only as like as low as like 7.5 in a lot of cases on the non warrantable Yeah, so no, you're eight. definitely paying a premium for the non warrantable condos. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And it's the first time <clears throat> buyer who's going to do that, who's going to take that hit just because you can't get the association <laughs> approved. I think it's your fault. Joseph. Joseph. You're on blast. I want to jump in here on a misconception. <laughs> misconception. Go ahead. Can so, you say teachers. it? They're all wrong. All of them. <laughs> like all mine. of you are wrong. wrong. I was misconceived, so you can go ahead and tell us about misconception. Come on, Joe. Give it to us. I say Nick Mamadi was wrong? That no. Would, that would make my day. It's looking no. my way. <laughs> no. No. So, so if the, uh, the rental concentration is more than 50%, you there you can still buy in as a primary or a second home. There is no uh, requirement there. It could be ninety nine percent rentals, and you're buying it as a primary. You can do it. Really? It's just when what? you're trying to buy it as an investment property. But then you can still use a three and a half percent down. Wait, what? You can still go FHA. When, when was this? Did you push it? <laughs> She's pushing the FHA, even though no, no, it's not FHA, FHA approved FHA, yet. We were actually, <laughs> both of us, we've got 30-something years of experience between the two of us. Them. I oh, my God, I love this guy. He's Wait, no, 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 this, Joseph, you're about to get shot. So <laughs> when did this, did this change? Because at one point it was 75%. Whatever. For a long time, it was 75%. I'm not sure when it changed. Had to be owner- Wait, are, we, are like we misunderstanding? Like he's been doing this for three had years. Had to be owner-occupied. 75% had to be owner-occupied. At one point, through Fannie and Freddie. You better be right. If you're buying it as an investment property. 
No, even if you were buying as an owner occupied, at one point you had to be up seventy five percent occupancy. Owners seventy five percent had to be owned, is what I meant to say. Are we miscommunicating here on what we're, no, we're both think, talking about? I think we're saying if the, same the building thing, was less than seventy five percent sold. That's what you're saying. Owner occupied, actually, because if you had too many rentals, building I lived in around a corner, they would not go below seventy five percent. They would the twenty five percent rental approval. Mm-hmm. That was it. If you got bumped off, you'd have to wait in line. And seventy five percent of the property had to be owner occupied because financing was a problem for people trying to buy in. If Mo- it was below the seventy five threshold for a while, must be an old guideline. So Just that's like what we're trying to say. I mean, yeah. we still we might still be rolling on an old guideline. I didn't even know that. I yes. didn't either. So now the current guideline is fifty percent. So- it has to be owner-occupied if you're buying it as an investment. investment. But if you're buying it as primary or It could be 2% owner-occupied. Correct. What? Dun, da-da, yeah. dun, 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 I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I suck. It. I'm going to leave now. <laughs> 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 totally stripped my like knowledge card away. I mean, yeah. Seriously. Well, I mean, you know, he's in a department. That's what he specializes in. Right. We're in a department where we kind of have we to know a lot stuff. of everything. <laughs> you got to know a lot of everything. I just crunched the numbers in the monthly payment. That's what just I did. Send me he the just docs. calls you. And then, Joe, just calls Joe you. I got this deck paid. Can you take a look at this? Exactly. See, Mike, aren't you happy that you're in the right hands so that you don't get your deals killed all the time? Yeah, and that's mind-blowing. I've never heard of that. Are you sure you're not just making that up? Like, seriously. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> how have we never heard We're going to fact check that, like CNN. Yeah, like, seriously. Check like, they fact check the president. Go back to the office. Look that up, because I need these did Joe, did Joe really say that? <laughs> Yesterday, the president said this. <laughs> <laughs> I was yesterday. No, no. Fake news, man. Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that, that's gonna have to get fat checked. So this is awesome. I like that. I didn't know that. What else you got? Hmm. What else? What you else you got, Carla? Know, what else do you think? Oh, I love it. You guys keep talking. You gotta have about some other tidbits, Joe. I mean, because you just do us backwards here. Well, why would you want to buy in a building that has ninety nine percent renters, though? Like that makes no sense. Well, he's to giving me. you the well, because extreme otherwise example. you would have to only buy cash, you know. Like, and besides, what if you got well, a really else. good deal because the developer like kept else. all the units yeah. and they just waiting for the market to weather and they kept it and yeah. they're really good rentals. Some of these properties are renting very well. Yeah, but you're owner occupied if you're right. You said fifty percent has to be owner occupied for for it to be an investment, investment purchase. Right. right. So if you're owner occupying it, why would you ever buy into a building that has ninety nine percent renters? Like that's insane to me. Like it's that, high risk. Completely it's high risk. Cheap. Cheap. Living. It's always about value. Cheap, yeah. It's always Sometimes gonna go with pricing. Yeah. 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 You know? I, I wouldn't or it's an investment, well, right? Because you're going to rent like, it I out. I would and not <laughs> live <laughs> anywhere with that many renters in no the way. But frat party. But your fifteen minutes are up. Cool. So you got to come back and answer the nitro no, questions. No, no, People are waiting fine. to find out what your nightmare story is or what your nightmare client is. Realtors I'll take, never have I'll any nightmare clients. No, I don't believe they're all saints. <laughs> Save that all of them are saints. Else. There's always a nightmare client. They don't mean to be, all but they are. All my clients are awesome. No, Wait, no, Nick, you and I here. have a nightmare client together. We, exactly. So how could you possibly say <laughs> we have hey, one going on and we have one in the past? I've literally had to check myself into a doctor with some of Oh my God, we do have one together that Not that my client sucks, but the file itself, like the predicament. Everybody here yeah. has worked on that file. <laughs> Let it go, dude. Right, so, this, 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 this is Mike's moment. Mike, my moment. Mike, Carla give us your moment. In, yeah, ruins everything. She Sorry. always ruins on everybody's prey. Mike, give us Carla. that. Yeah, I would. You know, Nightmare so client. as a real estate agent, one of the biggest misconceptions is that the buyer knows more than us, mm-hmm. and every Always. every Duh. turn, right? Because they read something. It's like to me, it reminds me if I broke my leg and I went on. Um, What's it? WebMD, and all of a sudden uh-huh. I found out I was dying. It's like, would I listen to that or would I go see a doctor? I'd probably go see a doctor. So any clients that will come to me and then argue with me every time I would do any type of market analysis or try to tell them like, "Hey guys, this is the real value of the building," and then they come back and they show me a estimate or Zestimate. something crazy, and they fight me every single step of the way for these comps. I had a client that was like that. Felt he knew more than me, um, and we would constantly run to this where. He'd want to make an offer on a building. And I worked with this guy for about a year. You know, okay. this is this is a long time. Every single time, I would say we probably put close to maybe a dozen offers in in that time. So he was like, he was technically a real buyer. But every time we'd go, I'd do the market analysis, send him the comps, tell him exactly what I think this property's worth. He would want to put an offer way below what mm. I'm looking at. Not a low ball offer, because I would never submit a low ball offer, but just low enough where you're like, this is market value. It's priced well. Submit it, and I would tell them exactly what happened. They're gonna either reject it or counter us back at like a thousand dollars down or something like a thousand dollars less because it's it's priced well. 
12 times this happened. Oh. Every single time, 12 times. Finally, and he, his mindset was, well, it's okay. You know, eventually somebody's going to come down in price. And I'm like, not in this market. It's spring. There's right. no way. 12 times, and I would fight him every single time. And we'd have screaming matches on the phone, emails, texts. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't fire me at this point. Or I, didn't, I should have fired him, I guess. <laughs> Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have yeah. to, you know, but, you know, trying to be the nice Samaritan, help him out. Finally, finally, we got a, an offer accepted. You know, I had to beg the listing agent to accept the offer. It's not only is that, but it wasn't a high down payment, and he wanted closing costs. Wonderful, right? So then there was always the appraisal concerns and that. So finally got accepted, finally closed. You know, I, I go there, I bring a nice gift for him, a nice card. I thank him, I hug him. They thank me, they you thank her. Turn- I do. That's so sweet. I'm a sweetheart. And then they literally. <laughs> I, I don't even go to closing, so that you're awesome. You're a lender, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never do. Uh, 12 hours later. All of a sudden, I get a notification that he wrote me a bad review on Zillow and trashed ah! me. <laughs> trashed me. And I, so I actually countered because I was just like, Well, if since you it's go, public knowledge because it's on Zillow. It's on Zillow. And you could go what's check. What's the name? You, you should I'm trash not, him now. You could no, check. I went sorry. on. She's like, you could trash him now. No, I went on. Today. I went Queen on and I countered it. Like, I went on and countered and I stayed in my case because if you look at I have close to 100 reviews that are pretty much all five-star reviews. Right. You know, I'm a toot my own whore there. I'm a good agent. Right. For someone to have a bad experience. You right here with us, Exactly. Right. So that's my long-winded story of just the worst client ever. That's terrible. I should go and yelp you, Nick. You should go and yelp, yelp me. me. Yelp me. Yeah. You, are, you yell at that's me. That's a new verb. <laughs> you don't yelp me. I should it's go and yelp It's a new verb. Yelp. Yelping. Zillow, Let's do a yelp review here. Someone. I want a yelp review. Sometimes you just got to fire a client, though, Mike. <laughs> I know. I've fired a few in my lifetime. You have so to sometimes. sometimes. You just know when it's time. But, yeah, yeah that, that is a bad scenario. So, uh, th- so the moral story is... Unless you're a former agent, and I mean former agent or loan officer, and I mean within a year or so, you shouldn't be trying to teach the person you hired because they probably Mm -hmm. have more knowledge than you, correct? Yeah. Yep. Even if you're a loan, I've been doing this for 22 years. If I take one year off, you're going to know more than me as of this moment because you're current. Yeah. And these things change dynamically all day long. Well, not only that, I, I find it interesting when people go like to these like home buying seminars and come up with like all these oh, different jargon and god like, oh. and that's that's really the whole point of this show you know that you, we're not going to try and sell you a cd and then you know you got to pay 49.99 a, a month right uh to get educated again and just kind of keep looping you to the next carrot and to the next carrot and to the next, you're just getting free information from us but yeah you hear these people saying well I, I took this course and i could go online and get this listings of all these foreclosures and Buy them with no money down, and then flip them with, you know. And you're just like, oh my god! Uh, like, how much did you head. pay for that seminar? And right? What, it, it's, it's insane. <laughs> well, it's like, it's insane. It's like the best they, scam ever. It is the best it scam. Is. And so I've been working on developing my own CD with Javier. Forty nine ninety nine. Forty nine ninety nine. We'll be at the Rosemont Convention. Where you're going to throw five foot nothing Latina in there, and make it five four. You're four foot eight. Five four. With four? heels on. Let's focus on it. We're focused. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> She's like, I got nothing. Go ahead. I got yeah. nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. No, but like, you know, going back to like reviews and people that know everything about real estate, like when our consumers tell us like how to do our job, right? Um, when people are shopping for lenders, they're specifically, I heard them say, it's like, oh, well, I want them to like give me the best rates. And it's like, you know what? Rates are rates. It's mm-hmm. about like, you know, closing costs and processing fees, origination fees, and of course the service and the knowledge that they're going to provide within the transaction. So I really always take it, t- take away that power from them because they read somewhere. Remember that one case with that client that kept calling you, telling you, I want to do a 15 year, I want to do a 30 year, I want to do this and I want to do that. And no, you, you don't know what you're doing. And I was like, oh my God. You're right. Higher, yeah, but I have no fees. Oh, okay. But I can make my rate lower than what they offered over there, but my fees are going to actually start to show up. Exactly. No way, I don't want that. Well, okay, so pick which one you want. You know, and then you're not even under contract, so it's right. not like you've locked anything right. until your property is under contract. And then what, after appraisal, it's when you guys lock yeah. the rates? Or a lot of the times they go to these online lenders or whatever, like these AIM loans and mm-hmm. stuff like that, where it's like a bait and switch offer. And it's like, there's mm-hmm. no way they're going to deliver that quote. Yeah, some ridiculous interest rate that they didn't read has a bunch of fees. And then this whole thing yeah. turns into a big story. And then the agents are held hostage. The seller's side is held hostage waiting for this guy to get his life straight after his big surprise. So, right. Can I show a question, actually? Yeah. What is the best gift a lender's ever given you to get a loan approved? Charge him for that answer. <laughs> I'm going to represent Seriously, you today, man. Joe, because you're just dropping knowledge. Well, this is great. I can't wait to hear this answer. <laughs> Joe, like, don't what, get fired, okay? Yeah. <laughs> what did Javier give you? <laughs> I didn't do anything. Nothing. 
<laughs> Nothing. He's got a high five. Yep. What are you talking about? He's got his foot it. underneath the table right now, <laughs> rubbing his yeah. liquid oh, yeah. lunches. You know, he's some liquid lunches a couple times a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Joe, sitting in your job has got to be tough because you probably have constant flack from loan officers that might, you know, disagree with the way you're looking at something or or want you to, you know. Uh, loan officers are just aggressive people. It's, I mean, that's what they do. You know what? I actually feel bad for friend. Joe because sometimes the associations have the hardest time getting you your master's insurance policy or all they're, that stuff. They're, they're terrible. It comes down to the wire and then everyone's barking at Joe and like, Joe, we really need this warranty. You're like, now. This loan is closing tomorrow. And it's like, well, well how I haven't many, gotten my master's think about insurance this. policy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, how many times have you waited like a week or two for something so simple as a yeah. condo questionnaire? I personally think if now, you're now ever going to buy a go condo, you got to have that stuff up front because sometimes just getting a hold of the associations and getting someone to work with you especially some of these self-managed associations it's like oh yeah it's bertha and she only picks up the phone on wednesdays from 10 to 1 mm-hmm. and it's like oh i gotta wait until next wednesday to call bertha and see if she could f- provide me the condo questionnaire see and that's some good advice too when you're thinking about listing your property you should definitely make sure that you have condo docs right condo yeah. regulation um condo docs and regulation i can't even speak today bylaws and regulations Dex and bylaws budgets, budgets. Uh, meeting Expenses. minutes the last 12 months right so have that readily available and also have a contact person so when i put in a listing i always make sure that i have all that information ready so that when you know the buyer comes in it's already there let me ask you a quick question yep. how often does he yell at you to get you get his files to go uh, through? not too often not too often that's yeah. his mistake he should be yelling at you more often <laughs> do a lot so of single files families. can like pass through <laughs> don't stay away from the condos don't be afraid don't, don't be, be afraid. afraid send me more anything on the horizon <laughs> about the like something like an fha spot approval coming back They've mentioned it in the past, but there's there's nothing yet. Because I thought I said I thought I saw something swirling that they were considering doing the spot approval just on that unit in particular uh, is what a spot approval means. You don't have to get the whole building approved. Stop that though. It wasn't like oh, five. Stop that a while ago. But there Why was some kind of. Sp- I don't know. I didn't do a whole lot of FHA loans back in '05 because they weren't popular. But um, nothing as far as you know. They for- mentioned it last year, but nothing. It's not gaining steam now. A veteran doesn't have any issues. Going into a condo, does, does the association have to be approved for a veteran? Yeah, you have to have BVA yeah. approved. Yeah, it's similar requirements to the FHA. Yeah, it's very similar. Uh, FHA approvals expire every two years. A VA approval never expires. So once you get the mm. project approved, I like that. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they don't care about the budget. No uh, reserve contribution is needed. They just want to see that it's uh, financially healthy. So they'll look at the balance sheet and they'll look at the budget too. But they're not specifically looking for a reserve contribution. Mike, how do you rate an so other than the obvious? The place is constantly clean, constantly maintained. But what are the things you look at to say that's a top flight management company or that's a top flight association doing their job the way they should be doing here in the metropolitan area? Uh, one response rate, like like Javier was saying, like if you have a good, if you have a big building, there's no reason they can't get back to you, right? If it's a condo building that's a high rise, you know, hundreds of units, they should the management company should be able to get back to you right away, and they should have all the answers you need. You know, you call them up. They should have it done for you really quickly. You know, shouldn't be any kind of mystery behind it. Um, also, I mean, when we do see the docs, just the organization of them. I mean, if you look at a budget and you're just like, you know, it looks like, you know, Elmer Fudd wrote this thing <laughs> up. I mean, there's no chance that this is going to go anywhere, you know. So it's like just seeing how organized they are, how, like, in tune they are with their building. Self-managed buildings always tough because there's, you know, three or four units in one. I live in one personally. We meet, you know, twice a year. Right. You know, so it's always a little bit more difficult to that. But just to see how organized they are, like, is there someone who's taking, you know, control and putting, make sure there is a budget in place, you know, keeping track of what the assessments are like. Um, what the, you know, if there are meetings, you know, how detailed are those meetings? You know, does it, are they just sitting there drinking a bunch of wine, getting hammered? Because if they are, it's not really helping that building. Why would I want my client building buying into that unless he's an alcoholic? But... Mm. You know, otherwise, you know, just trying to see that they are organized, they're on top of it, they know what their expenses are coming up, they know where they're at with their financials, and then they're just, you know, taking care of the building and budgeting for anything that needs to be done in the future. You know, if there is a special that has to happen because of windows, which is, you know, happens to a lot of buildings, especially over here by the lake that were built in the 50s and 60s or about due, like, are they planning for that or are they just going to wing it? And, you know, ask everyone to throw in five grand at one point, you know. So it's it's organization. As long as they're really organized, then I have no problem, you know, with those type of buildings. And that should be like the same advice for somebody who's in this walk-up building that it's self-managed. If you're self-managing your building, you should definitely, you know, maybe 
email us and we'll give you the list of what you need in order to get mm -hmm. this property approved, right? Or what you need to have ready, like your minute, uh, meeting minutes and all that stuff. Because a lot of people who are self-managed don't understand that. These are owners who are part of this, who live in this building and are part of this association. And I think that's the hardest part because when they want to put the property on the market, they don't know what is the next step. What should I have right. ready? And what does it mean? Um, you know, because that's going to control value as well. Right, because you're not going to be able to sell a property if you're going to be only targeting, you know, people who are going to be putting, you know, spending a lot of money on interest because your building is not warrantable. Right. Not only that, but it's just going to give you. If there's such a lack of inventory that is FHA approved, you know, it's definitely going to make you stand out. I remember my brother was looking to buy a condo. He was looking to buy an Edgewater or Lakeview or Rogers Park in that area, and we were able to review the condo docs and everything, and they approved the association in like 25 days. That's awesome. So, you know, as long as you have someone who's willing to work with you, I think we did a 60-day um, closing on that one just to make sure to give the condo department enough time to be able to get that approved. But ah, it works. Halloween's <laughs> around the corner. I need another horror story. What's the worst special assessment you've ever seen? Oh, and then I got get, one. Get actually. yours ready, too, Mike. All, everyone has to get theirs ready. What's the worst special assessment you've ever seen? We'll start with the man that has probably seen more special <laughs> assessments than anybody else in the room. Uh, I've seen him over $100,000. DZ, you had God, right? I would be pissed off at the world if I had a hundred thousand. <laughs> How do you handle that? Well, that's that's not per unit, but still, it's a total, right? But no, no, total, I'm talking about per, per unit. unit. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. per unit, no. Because I got that one beat already. <laughs> really? I haven't yeah. seen that bad. Per per individual owner. Well, we'll get to it in a second. But go ahead. So, oh the, we're special assessment per per unit. What do you, you do seen? at that point? Probably around ten thousand. I've seen. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Mike? That's terrible. Thirty-five. Wow. Carla? 16. 25. It was in New York. Some lady ended up falling, had a litigation against the whole freaking thing, and she had sued the hell out of them. 92,000. Wow. What? For one person? For one? You're crazy. Where? When? What was it for? It was a self-managed building. Four units. Here's the best part about it. What? I was one of the owners. <laughs> you were suing <laughs> the association. You were the cause oh of it. God. The building was sinking. It's a brand new building built on junk, and the whole thing was sinking. So oh, your commercial space? We had to, well, I own the condo upstairs, and we had to get together, engineers, a whole nine yards, and shore it up. Sue and the developer? Sue the, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we ended up winning, but you just kind of look at, the, at, your, at your neighbors and go, I hope you have this money, <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's a lot of money for any one individual to knuckle up. That's crazy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It started with the like seventy-five thousand special. We we put it all together. It was three hundred thousand. Was the estimate between the engineer and the work that had to get done to safe make the building safe Tear temporarily. And well, the building's worth more than that. But um, yeah, and then it kind of added on later, like another ten, fifteen thousand. After that, it was it was a big nightmare. That's painful. Nine, Ninety-two thousand. And see, don't scare people because remember when George was in the studio, we were talking about like, don't be afraid of buying in a condo because now you have to deal with this. At least you have some spread. You can spread be the afraid. joy. You can spread that budget. And look, you know, you don't want to mow your lawn. You don't want to. You know, work on your roof or worry about the maintenance. You want to move into a condo, yeah. mm -hmm. but at the same token, something can go wrong. Like moving. There's in a next lot of people you. chipping in. <laughs> that could be a problem for you. And I will Terrible. stay up late. And that will be, be in the condo docs, though. Right? <laughs> Nick does not live next door. <laughs> no, it'll be, it'll be in the agent remarks. Warning: Nick Mametti lives in this building. Wait, who's that bankruptcy no guy that has all those commercials? Nobody oh, wants Lerner? to live in. No one wants to live in his because he always sues the association. Let's not Peter Francis Let's Yes, that oh, guy. Man, don't give him free press. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I don't know why she brought him up. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying a lot of people don't want to live with sponsor, them. You have to right? do that. <laughs> Thank you. The Mike. Nitro question brought to you by Peter <laughs> Francis <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I swear. <laughs> Go ahead. Great show, Nick. Great show. But, no, but you know what? It's awesome for people to tune in and understand the logistics with, you know, condo because a lot of people would love to live in condos. I mean, you have a lot of baby boomers who are selling their homes or moving into the city uh, to have their in-towns, and they don't want to, they don't want to do, like you said, cut the grass and clean that snow in the winter. They're becoming more yeah. popular in the suburbs, too, because condo amenities. buildings are starting to go up in the suburbs more than they've ever gone up. Let me ask you, you lenders, and, and Joe, you could chime in, like, what would be the benefits of someone to buy FHA? Why would they have to go FHA? I mean, VA, obviously, they're, they're a veteran. Of course, it makes sense. But why would someone need to go FHA over conventional outside of maybe the down payment they don't have? I'll let him answer that first, and I'll answer a second. Yeah. I would say FHA for me is a product where it doesn't differentiate too much on FICO score. Okay? So um, for me, for instance, if you have a client who maybe has a 640, 650 FICO, more than likely, he's going to pay a premium on a conventional interest rate because he's not in that A-plus rating for conventional financing. Um, so for me, there's going to be a lot of flexibility. Uh, Debt-to-income ratios as well, too. One of the things that's a 
the biggest deal killer for me right now when I'm pre-approving clients is people who have a lot of uh, student loan debt. So we're having to use either the 1% or fully amortized term. FHA allows me to get like an extra 10% in debt to income expense to be able to get keep them qualified. But potentially like just, you know, layman's terms, someone with like a 640 credit score on an FHA, they're going to pay 85 uh, annual mortgage insurance premium for the year with only 3.5% down payment. Someone with a 640 FICO score, even with a home possible or home ready, they're probably going to be paying anywhere between 95 basis points to 109 basis points. So overall cost, you're going to get a better lending product by getting the FHA if they're not that A premium buyer where they have that 720 FICO score, 5 to 10% down. It's just going to give them better, better financing terms. I somewhat disagree and agree. I agree with the part where he said sometimes it's our, it's our only alternative. Like if we can't get the loan to be approved traditionally Fannie and Freddie because credit scores is usually the biggest one, uh, three or five percent down, typically you're going to have to have a much higher credit score. So you're going to go conventional. I mean, you're going to try and go conventional because I always do. I use the FHA button as kind of like the oh sh- button. Like we got to go this way, and because it does give you flexibility with debt to income ratios and some other stuff. I don't like using the program if it's like let's say you have a seven twenty borrower and some people just like doing FHA loans more than conventional loans. They feel more comfortable in their skin doing them for some reason. I don't know. Um, because you have these gurus and they really know their FHA stuff and their VA stuff. And then they look at conventional like it's so difficult. Which The problem is that with FHA, you never lose your mortgage insurance. Mm-hmm. That's why I hate the program. I mean, I love the program because it well, gives you people the opportunity. you do lose your mortgage insurance if you put 10% down. Right. Well, most so people do an FHA are typically going 3% down. But m- traditionally, when you hear the traditionally, word FHA, if you're doing the minimum down, it's a minimum down situation. Right. But so, if you're looking at a 5% conventional on mortgage insurance, you're still going to have mortgage insurance for roughly about, I would say, 12 to 14 years. No, you can actually call it in. Like, if the thing appraised, you can spend 300 bucks, get it reappraised, and get it wiped out. Or you can, in some cases, some lenders will just take it off if it's been a couple of years and you've been on time. There's a lot of things that can happen with conventional mortgage insurance, and you're at least you've got the rate that you wanted, and you don't have to worry about having the, you're forced to refinance. A lot of times, FHA loans, you're stuck in the mortgage insurance. Yeah. And that's, but they're both great products, just who's the client? Right. So there, there's a thin line, and some of the underwriting guidelines change between the two. Like, you know, VORs might be required in one, and they're not required in the other. Or um, income not being a full two years, you can get one to go one way and one you can't year. the other. You yeah. know, so it depends on what the client scenario is, but... Um, it's not like there's a, in my opinion, there's no go-to. It's not like, I, I would prefer to go to conventional every loan. Yeah. Well, if you can go conventional, it's probably the route that you want to go with. You go limited doc, you know, with AUS, you know, just W-2s and a pay stub. In most cases, you're able to do that. But unfortunately, there's a big portion of the consumer base that doesn't yeah. qualify for mm-hmm. that. Yep. Times are changing. I mean, the marketplace is really difficult to transact, and that's why you have to align yourself with people who understand what's going on. We're talking about getting your condo re- uh, reviewed and also approved so that you can qualify for you know the highest yield when you're selling, and of course, as a buyer, so that you can get the best loan products out, out there. But we're just talking about one step of the transaction. What happens after you, you're, you're locked down, you negotiate all these terms, you iron out everything, and then you get to the appraisal. Um, we're seeing that some of the properties are not appraising out. And I actually did get a call uh, earlier this week. Someone asked me, is it customary now to request that um, in the, during the attorney review that you, you state that the pro- whether the property appraises or not, the, the, the purchase price is still going to hold truth? Um, I had a friend from New York who's buying, um, also had an issue with that being added into the attorney review what are you seeing out there mike and what do you advise i had that just happen yeah it was very much part of the negotiations actually before um and and what i usually see a lot of times actually with the closing cost credits you know like a lot of people don't have the money to put for a closing cost you know they might have enough for the down payment they could put that 10 percent, but when it comes to that extra you know five or six to you know we'll say 10 grand or something that they just don't actually have that amount in the bank so they want to get a closing cost credit you know but when it comes to negotiating, we're negotiating off the purchase price, right. and then you're tacking on that credit. So what I'm seeing a lot of times is, you know, especially first-time home buyers, which I work with, a lot of them is they want that credit because they need it. But the problem is, like, is that property going to appraise out? And that's usually the question I get from from listing agents, like, well, what happens if it doesn't? Like, will your guys make up the difference, or how are we going to run into this? So a lot of them are getting hesitant when they know it's priced well, and they don't. We don't know what that appraisal is going to come in at, right? Uh, it's kind of a crapshoot sometimes, you yeah. know. So we're running into that a lot, actually. Right. 
I love when people say, is it customary, right? In this marketplace, nothing Not is customary. customary. We haven't seen anything. I mean, I learned earlier on this year, I was a listing agent, and I seriously had five offers on a product. Five offers. Five different agents confirmed the value of my property, and the appraiser came in and said, no, that's not what the property is worth. And I'm talking about from like 160 to 145, and then 160 we were giving back, you know, five thousand dollars in closing cost credits. So of course, the developer or the person who was flipping the product, you know, took a loss. So it gets really difficult, and that's why I want to advise everybody to go ahead and during the attorney review that you demand that the verbiage be inserted into the transaction where or an addendum that says, um, pro, you know, seller is to pay the closing cost if the value is, you know, that you want to pay fair market value for the property and don't want to go below that. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you always get your closing costs regardless. I mean, we have a, a property in Berwyn right now where um, the appraisal came in at 320 and we we were at three, we were getting $10,000. So now the seller is going to net, what, 310 And they don't yeah. want to do that because originally we promised to pay 349 But we we're willing to pay 349 because we saw the value in the property. And of course, these multiple bidding wars just keep escalating prices. Yeah. So, you know, um, always make sure that you add that. My girlfriend in New York is wa- buying a $1.2 million home, and the seller was saying, no, you know, we, um, you have to come up with like 95% of the loan-to-value if, in fact, it doesn't appraise out. And I'm like, no, change that. <laughs> That's insane. It's yeah. insane. So You're just, basically asking someone to pay over market price for the property yeah. regardless. Yeah, fair market value. <clears throat> Why is someone going to pay for, right, for less than that? Are you seeing a lot of that, Nick? Mm-hmm. What I'm seeing is we're running well, out of time. We are, oh, yeah. With the bidding Aren't you wars? glad I came in to just like kind of make this a happy bidding, space because bidding, you guys were like blah, 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 blah. the bidding wars Sorry. is uh, is always going to be a problem for appraisals. Yeah, it is. I think it's, lenders it's, are it's always happening quite a bit. So. A headache for the transaction, don't you think, Mike? We don't. We don't we're do not appraisers. Anything. We don't appraise the property. You understand? The men. So you guys anything. are not the, the men. Worst I like this it. is the men. For like, lenders, when they get a short appraisal, and now we have to call everybody, we're like, yeah. I miss those days when they you guys just bribe them. You know, like just just what? approve this. Oh, Mike, no, what do you say? <laughs> Mike, cover <laughs> your mic. So, Mike, it's the pregnancy. <laughs> it's, the preg- it's pregnancy brain. It's pregnancy. We've never bred joking, anyone. Joking. <laughs> joking. <laughs> come on, you said lighten the mood, right? I mean, come on. I'm exiting. And that's the wrap of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. NMLS two one seven three four three. Mike opened Remax next. He said it, not me. Um. <laughs> No, going up to it. But all kidding aside, we are coming to an end. So what we're going to pretty much ask you is give us a, a, a takeaway from today and those people that are obviously listening in for the uh, simple fact that they want to get educated on what should they. What's the main takeaway for them going into a, buying a condo? Uh, something that you can leave with them. Uh, just make sure your agent's doing their diligence on it before you ever submit that offer. You know, make sure they're they're looking up to make sure it is a good building to buy into. And you will absolutely get the appreciation there if you do. If you wait and find out later on it's a bad building, you know, deal could fall apart and you could waste a lot of time in that market. Joe? Great advice. Joe? Great advice. Uh, don't be afraid to buy in a condo. Uh, FHA, VA approvals are really not that bad. Just send uh, Javier the condo docs. He'll get them over to me. Uh, we'll submit a free of charge. Free of charge. Free of charge. He said free of charge. I did not say free of charge. There you have it. (laughs) Special thanks to Mike Opit of Remax Next of the West Loop here in Chicago and Joseph Abadicola. That's it, right? Yeah. All right. The Federal Savings Bank. He's the man in charge of associations. So if you can't get your loan approved at the Federal Savings Bank, call Joseph directly and scream at him. I'm just (laughs) kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You're listening to Market Overdrive. You can follow this show on our Facebook page, forward forward slash uh, Market Overdrive. And of course, we're on Twitter, Instagram. And our YouTube channel, this will be nicely fresh, cut it and yes. look all fancy. Subscribe to the YouTube subscribe channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel or go to podcast, subscribe there. So we will see you back here again Thursday at 2 p.m. next week. Thanks. <laughs>